0: Nerd happy wednesday everybody my name is ryan david and i'm joined of course by bert what's going on and
1: hey, not too much ryan how you doing today
0: oh I'm, I'm i don't want to say under the weather i'm just feeling kind of lousy all the way around you know physically blah, mentally blah. It's just a blah day. This is probably the highlight of my day. So I'm I'm looking forward to to talking with you tonight. Anything interesting going on in your week this week?
1: Eh, not too much. Mostly work, you know. I uh you know, just uh, it's been a quiet weekend at least.
0: Yes. Yes, it, it it has been a a reasonably quiet weekend. I uh had a very busy week last week, outside of podcast and gaming world. And I'm hoping that things just stabilize a little bit this week and can get back to to the grind, you know?
1: I'll keep my fingers crossed for you.
0: Well, it's it's really just a state of mind. I'll get over it. This week we got a bunch of interesting stuff on deck. A hot topic on the interwebs this week. Uh, was Dungeons & Dragons, players and DMs clashing. We had a little bit about of that a few weeks ago. <laughs> but um, a, a big discussion online was a conversation about disagreements. If you don't like what your DM is doing, or if you disagree with a, with a DM call, how much is too much? And we'll talk about that on the flip side of the news. Another thing that I just stumbled on this week, because, you know, I always like to look at lists just so that they make me frustrated and infuriated. I, I saw a couple of lists that threw me back to my, I guess, preteen teen slash teen years. What was your console of choice? We'll put it in middle school to early high school. Uh,
1: middle school to early high school, probably... Sega Genesis.
0: Ah, see. I I always defaulted to the Super Nintendo, although being the spoiled brat that I was, I had I had both. And and they both did have their merits. But this week I, I kept tripping across these horrible, horrible lists of what's the best, what's the worst, what's the most challenging Super Nintendo games. So we're gonna take a look at the SNES and not using those lists, but just sort of throw out what we think makes the, the cream of the crop for that particular cartridge-based console.
1: Okay. I've played quite a bit of Super Nintendo, so I have a few favorites on that on that console myself.
0: I have I, I pulled together sort of a composite of titles that popped up in the various clickbait articles that sucked me in this week. And I agree with some and disagree with some, but at least it gives us a path. So, uh, you want to go through my list that, that I sort of compiled here? Sure. Let's see. Probably at the bottom of my list, but it showed up in quite a few, was NBA Jam.
1: Ooh, I was never a Jam fan. I
0: know, and that that ran pretty pretty long and hard. In fact, it even crossed over into NFL because then it it sort of evolved into, if I'm remembering correctly, the Arcade Blitz series.
1: Right, NFL Blitz, yep.
0: I, I do confess I owned it just because it was one of the games to own, but I never really got into it, and it's probably because I wasn't a big basketball player player or fan i played on my middle school basketball team if if you want a funny visual try to try to picture that i think i played all of five minutes in the entire season because it just was not was not my sport at all
1: i know what you mean i played basketball my freshman year of high school i scored two points all season
0: hey that's two more than i scored ever (laughs) in my life It's no surprise that Squaresoft has a lot of entries on almost all lists. But Secret of Mana was
1: was the next one that
0: popped up a lot.
1: Great game. I played Secret of Mana to death.
0: I was surprised how much I liked Secret of Mana because it was, I guess, one of the front runners for an action RPG, if we want to use one of today's terms.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I I mean, I would have to say with the way that the, um, the gameplay was set up, I would agree with you. It was kind of a precursor to the action RPGs we see now.
0: Bunch of button mashing, but with some RPG elements. Great story, of course, being Squaresoft. And Squaresoft, I think, 100%, even more so now than Square Enix today, was in their heyday on the Super Nintendo. That was... If I had to point back in time and look at what would be the pinnacle of Square, I I have to go to the sixteen bit SNES series.
1: I don't know. For me, it'd be kind of a toss up w- between that or probably the original PlayStation One, where kind of when I feel like the Square was in its heyday. Because I mean, with the, the uh, Super Nintendo, you had Secret of Mana, you had. Um, Evermore, Secret of Evermore,
0: Secret of Evermore.
1: You know that that was another great square title on the Super Nintendo. Like they had uh, quite a few big hits there, but they also kind of pushed the envelope with the uh, PS1 with things like Xenogears and Final Fantasy VII.
0: Not being a huge Final Fantasy VII guy, don't get me wrong. I played it. I liked it. Knights of the Round for the win. nine, nine, nine. Final Fantasy VII just doesn't hold that special place in my heart. I wasn't distraught when Ares died. I wasn't a super Sephiroth fanboy. (laughs) It, it, It was a good game, but I don't think that it eclipsed its predecessor, being Final Fantasy VI, in terms of depth of gameplay and story and character availability. Final Fantasy VI is still the holy grail for me.
1: I can see that. I mean, they had a lot of um visual enhancements, but I agree with you. Six had a stronger storyline, you know, as far as that's concerned. It was more kind of gripping than seven.
0: I know that the Pixel Remaster of Six launched last week. I have not picked it up. Surprisingly, uh, I have not picked it up. But there are some really cool things that they sandwiched into that. Uh, they redid the entire opera sequence in the 3D, 2D sort of Octopath Traveler style and put in the full audio that uh, Yuimatsu actually approved. There's just a, a, a ton of enhancements for a great game. But generally speaking, the Pixel Remaster is still the 16-bit version, with these little glimmers of hope. I think it's sort of, you know, it's half-pregnant. If they were going to redo 6 in that style, I would be all over it. But this is just... I don't know, it sort of reeks as a money-grab to me.
1: You'd prefer to see 6 as, like they're doing with 7, with the remake?
0: I would love to see a reimagining of Final Fantasy 6, without a doubt. Or... If you're not going to reimagine it, just reskin it the way. Did you see the 3D version of Final Fantasy IV? I did. That did not offend at all. And I thought it brought it at least into a more modern world. But there's something to be said for pixel art. And I get it. But the technology is there, the skill set is there. And in fact, the engine is there now that they have Octopath Traveler. Let's get moving on this, guys.
1: But we were discussing Square for the Super Nintendo. Do you have other titles there?
0: Oh, I do. Of course, Corano Trigger is <laughs> all over that list.
1: My wife's favorite Super Nintendo game of all time.
0: Really? Really? Yep. What was her draw to Corano?
1: I really like there was something about the uh, the storyline and the time element and the difficulty that she could sit and play that game for hours um one of our first anniversaries i wound up buying her a nintendo or super nintendo and a copy of the original chrono trigger uh cartridge like box book map everything was included um just so that she could sit and play it that was before they did the uh the PlayStation release for Chrono Trigger. I was going to say they
0: did the, the PS one release that had the FMV videos stuck into it,
1: but she always preferred the super Nintendo cartridge, like going back to the classic.
0: Gotcha. Speaking of classics, uh, Mega Man X, one of the few titles on the list that I have not played.
1: I played Mega Man X. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't call it a huge leap forward. I mean, the Mega Man games were great for what they were. They were, you know, a platform, kind of a platform puzzle solver, but, um, I don't think X was a huge leap forward.
0: I, I really don't have an opinion. I sort of got tired of the platformer by that point in my gaming career and, um, Mega Man, as great as it was, I mean, I could tell you the hours and hours and hours that I put into Mega Man 2. (laughs) But uh, X just didn't do it for me. What did do it for me, though, as far as moving a series into the 16-bit era, is the next item that shows up on just about every list. And that is The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past.
1: Oh, uh, come on, that game was leaps and bounds ahead of what we had for Legend of Zelda for the Nintendo.
0: Thinking back, I can't think of a better step forward in the Zelda series, period. There were a couple of close contenders, and I know there are some fans of Ocarina of Time, and I'm a fan of Ocarina of Time, but looking at what link to the past did to the Zelda series as far as lore and how link functioned and still being true to the original link to the past is probably at the top of my Zelda list
1: I think you're right I mean the as far as the I obviously I haven't played all the Zelda games I haven't played breath of the wild yet or anything like that but You know, with the ones that I've played, I would put a link to the past right at the top of my list for, you know, ones I would play again.
0: And even at the time, the amount of plays and replays and replays that I put into a link to the past, uh, it just boggles the mind to think of the hours of my youth that were spent just dashing around Hyrule. Next on the list is a later entry. When Nintendo collaborated with Rare to bring in a polygon-based 3D game to the SNES. You know what I'm talking about? Star Fox? Very close. That is also on the list. A little later than that. Think platformer. Hmm. Donkey Kong Country.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Brought back DK and introduced a a whole new world not only to explore but of characters and of story for donkey kong i think without donkey kong country the ape would have gone into the abyss
1: i was never a huge donkey kong country fan i remember playing a little bit of it i think that it was good but you know it wasn't something that i owned for the system so i really don't have a strong you know nostalgia for it or strong feeling kind of either way
0: i i hear exactly where you're coming from and i'm gonna be honest too i don't remember putting a ton of time into donkey kong country but i'm just thinking about what it did for where donkey kong was and where he is now it was definitely the rekindling of, of that franchise next up on the list well we'll go with star fox just because you mentioned it, it's a rare game, and I think Star Fox was the first new, significant Nintendo series that had some legs, and it entered on the Super Nintendo. I have an interesting Star Fox story, but what do you remember about Star Fox?
1: Um, Actually, I have an interesting Star Fox story, too. I remember... The only time I ever played Star Fox, my friend got it for Christmas and he invited me to his house to play Star Fox. And the first time I picked it up to play it, I beat the game.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't a terribly difficult game.
1: No, no. But he's like, I just got this like, and you beat it. And I was like, yeah, I mean, it was uh, like it would get, and after prolonged playing, I would wind up with like a headache like that like the polygons and things like that, that they used for that were pretty uh, rough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, um, my Star Fox story is in the same vein. Do you remember, and we are definitely going to go into some regional history here for uh, those of you that are not in the Northeast, you probably are going to have no idea of what we're talking about. But, uh, Bert, you remember Hill's Department Store, of course.
1: I do, yes. My uh, grandparents loved Hill's Department Store. I Uh, just liked the pretzels.
0: I loved Hill's Department Store, too. You know, they gave every Wednesday a free Coca-Cola and a hot dog at Hill's. And I fondly remember going down with my grandfather to get his free hot dog and his free Coke, which he would then pass on to me, as a good grandfather would. And... Pap gave me one of the best pieces of wisdom that I still carry deep in my heart today. And that is, Ryan, just remember, everything tastes better when it's free. (laughs) But uh, Hill's Department Store sort of screwed the pooch on Star Fox. Uh, I was in the electronics section as a starry-eyed ute looking for my next Game and months before the street date, they had a single copy of Star Fox behind the glass case. Well, oh, needless really? to say, that copy went home with me, played the hell out of it, and it was a holiday launch. And the only reason I remember that Star Fox was a holiday launch was because Hill's Department Store partnered with whoever their distributor was, who I assume partnered with Nintendo, and the Nintendo World Championships. You remember that, right? I do. Well, they had a championship qualifier console set up as a gimmick in all of the Hills Department stores. And this was, you know, two months after I had already mastered the game. Well, I went in and won my store, then I went on to our local region, and won the Nintendo Championship for the local region, all because Hills screwed up and gave me that game way early. you got to realize that this competition was based on a non-released game, so people were just playing it for the first time when they stepped up to that console, and I had a ridiculous unfair advantage. Uh, I did get to, to move to sort of the eastern segment of the Nintendo World Championships where where I was handily beaten by the, the real gamers. But it, thank you, thank you, thank you, Hills Department Store for selling me that game way before you should have.
1: <laughs> I love that story. So it's, they screwed up, sold you something that you shouldn't have. You wind up parlaying that into... You know two different Nintendo events that you got to compete in,
0: yes, sir, and I do believe that I had Icy's for like twelve months whenever I walked into hills as part of winning the local area championship <laughs> so oh, man, that
1: that is lucky. I love those hills ices I would I would beg my parents for those
0: they they were delicious, and there was something different about them. Probably that there was a shit ton of sugar and preservatives in them versus what we experience now because, hey, it was the 80s. They could get away with it.
1: Okay, were you a cherry guy or a frozen Coke guy?
0: I was a half-and-half guy if the lady behind the counter would do it. Fair enough. If I had to choose one, and now I'm definitely a Coke guy, I I would choose Coke now. And ironically, Icy is the only place where, if given the choice between Coke and Pepsi, where I would choose Coke. Can't talk about Nintendo without talking about Mario and Super Mario World.
1: Okay, I mean, Super Mario World was a a giant leap forward, even over something like Super Mario 3, which was arguably, you know, one of the best games for the original Nintendo.
0: Right, I think Super Mario World took everything that was a litmus test in Super Mario Brothers 3, and made it legitimate.
1: Right, they turned up the volume on everything, you know?
0: And to this day, I love Super Mario World. Well, that was quick. Sorry, Italian plumber. Everybody knows the Italian plumber. There's nothing to talk about. Let, right, let...
1: I mean, what are you going to say? It was a great game. Everybody enjoyed it. Everybody had it, you know. Did you beat it? Because some people I knew never beat it.
0: Oh, absolutely, and in fact, I can't tell you what it was now, but there was some sort of convoluted warp pipe thing that took you from the first world right next to Bowser's Castle (laughs) that I stumbled on, or maybe it was in Nintendo Power or EGM at the time. I, I don't remember, but for the folks and the friends that had never been able to beat the game... I was able to be like, yeah, here, start a new game. And they were like, whoa! You know, little things that impressed us back then.
1: And and little things did impress us, because, you know, you didn't have online tutorials for games. If you didn't have Nintendo Power or learned a secret from, you know, your cousin Bob's uncle's nephew's roommate, you you had to figure everything out on your own.
0: You did. There were... No Game Facts, there was no YouTube, it was you and grinding. We'll shift back into RPGs because, not surprising, there's a predominance of RPGs. The Super Mario RPG is next on my list The Legend of the Seven Stars. This was the collaboration with Nintendo and Square. To produce a Mario RPG, and they actually produced one hell of a game.
1: Actually, I that's one I never played. It kind of missed me. I heard about it, never played it. You know, I, people say good things, but I really don't know much about it.
0: I think that if you were to get a copy of Super Mario RPG right now and go into it, you would really, really appreciate the nuances that it brought it was definitely a traditional square rpg with mario platformer elements just mixed together and it was the perfect combination they even had some throwbacks to the different publishers obviously all of the mario cast of characters was there but there was a secret cave that had a final fantasy-esque boss in it, (laughs) down to the fact that the game completely changed the backgrounds and the music to Final Fantasy-esque music, and when you beat that boss, yes, you got the Final Fantasy victory song.
1: Oh, that's actually awesome.
0: I I believe the boss's name was Culex. You'll have to check me on that, (laughs) but uh, great game, great game with that collaboration that did unfortunately shortly end because we know that Square and Nintendo had their great tiff over the cost of cartridges as Nintendo moved into their next console and the N64 and they decided to stick with cartridges when everybody else was pressing CDs at the time. And that was just a cost, you know, battle. Square didn't want to pay the price for cartridges I sort of grouped the next entry together as a franchise because there were a bajillion of them. But I'm talking okay. about the Street Fighter Two series.
1: Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there were about a million of them.
0: And we all played them. Uh, did you not play Street Fighter?
1: No, I, I did play Street Fighter. But when you talk about Street Fighter, are you talking about Street Fighter 2, Street Fighter 2 Turbo, or are you talking about Puzzle Fighter? Like, there were about a million cartridges associated with that title, whereas, like, nobody I knew was talking about the same thing when they were talking about Street Fighter 2.
0: Right. I distinctly remember the Hyper Edition, Turbo Edition, Championship Edition, uh, Street Fighter 2, su- or Super Street Fighter 2, I can just keep going, Street Fighter 2 okay. Alpha, or was it Street Fighter 2 Alpha? No, it was just Street Fighter Alpha, too many Street Fighters, but Capcom made a shit ton of money on Street Fighter.
1: Agreed. Best Street Fighter character, quickly.
0: Oh, uh, crap, Vega?
1: Vega? I was always a Blanca guy.
0: Yeah, I got to go with Vega um, or Ken.
1: I had some luck with Dulcine, too. Those stretching arms were just (laughs) hilarious.
0: (laughs) I think when it came down to it, when I would seriously play, I would play as Ken. But I think I had a good time with Vega just because of his style and his presentation. It It was neat. I liked it. Not quite cheese, but a little more LSD. Did you play any Earthbound?
1: Yes, I loved Earthbound.
0: I could never get into Earthbound.
1: Earthbound was really, like, a really weird RPG. Like, it was really hard to kind of uh, keep things together, like, as far as that's concerned. Like, it got stranger the more you played it.
0: See, Earthbound came out about the same time as the game that I played in favor of Earthbound, which was RoboTrek.
1: See, I never played RoboTrek. I don't know anything about that one.
0: RoboTrek was a JRPG, but the cool thing about RoboTrek was you built and programmed these robots, so there wasn't a set moveset, so to speak. You could create your own custom attacks and, and things of that nature. I believe that was an Enix game. Which takes us to our next game in the list, which was Actraiser.
1: Ooh, Actraiser I really enjoyed. It combined, like, uh, Sims with a platformer. Right,
0: right. A little bit of Populous. We're really dating ourselves talking about (laughs) Populous. A little bit of Sims, a little bit of Platformer, a little bit of Civilization, all rolled into one. I think... Please don't write in if I'm wrong, but in my brain, ActRaiser was the first game that used the SNES awe-inspiring at the time, Mode 7. Do you remember Mode 7 graphics?
1: I do remember Mode 7 graphics. And And yes, they were pretty impressive.
0: I think ActRaiser was the first game to use that. But um, no, I, I really dug ActRaiser.
1: Did you play the second one?
0: Act Razor 2. No, I did not.
1: Yeah, I definitely prefer the first one to the second one for some reason.
0: Any any particular thing that's got you hooked into that second one?
1: The uh the first one, it had the like the platforming elements and things like that, like it seemed so much more of a so much more of a unique concept. I guess maybe that when they got to Act Razor 2, they had kind of worn out their material
0: a little bit, you know? Gotcha. Gotcha. I uh, did not put the next title at the top of the list because clearly I am biased, but it is Final Fantasy III, Final Fantasy VI. There's just so many things that I can say. I have purchased this game dozens, and I'm willing to say dozens of times. I'll bet you if I went back and thought about all of the different incarnations that I purchased this game for different consoles, different releases, Final Fantasy VI holds a very special place in my heart. I think that the 2,000 hours that I put in to City Skylines that you guys always bust my balls about pales in comparison if you were to total up my lifetime hours in Final Fantasy VI.
1: I can believe that. I mean, there was a. If you were a completionist or if you wanted to do everything in Final Fantasy VI, you had to put in a serious investment.
0: There was. There was. I cannot tell you how many hours I've spent grinding in the dinosaur forest (laughs) in Final Fantasy VI. But (laughs) um, just some of the depth on the characters, too. And the older I got, the more I appreciated some of these characters. When I first played through the game, I distinctly remember hating Gal. And as an adult, as I go back and play through that game and realize the blue magey sort of aspect of that character, I find myself dedicating a lot of time to to putting together the perfect little wild child. Uh, It definitely grew with me, shaped my psychology, Yes, Kefka is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I aspire to be a sociopathic clown that is the center of all magic in the world.
1: Uh, Somehow I can see you aspiring to be that.
0: That being said, Final Fantasy VI, I could not put at the terminal point for our list because I know that I am biased.
1: You are, but that's okay.
0: So if you were to think about the games that we have not yet talked about, what Hmm. huge, huge step forward for a franchise, for gameplay, for style, for the overall experience, what do you think is all crammed into that little 16-bit cartridge for the top spot on my compilation list?
1: Hmm, knowing you, knowing my history, is it Illusion of Gaia?
0: It is not. It's a platformer, uh, sort of. Really? They've actually named the genre after it: Super Metroid.
1: <laughs> okay. I went the other way. I went with a obscure, like long play RPG. You know, you played Illusion of Gaia, right? I did. I did. Great game, but yes, you you went the other way. You know, action platformer, the uh, the Metroid aesthetic. I mean, the original Metroid is a classic, and Super Metroid was just an improvement on that classic.
0: Absolutely, everything that could be improved was improved, and I don't think that there was a there has been a Metroid game since that has done as much for the franchise. And I don't think that it you know, we would be very hard pressed to find a sequel game in general across any franchise that has done as much for the franchise as Super Metroid did back in the day. I think it's funny that in the newest Metroid game for the Switch, there is actually an unlock that will unlock Super Metroid. <laughs>
1: I did not know that, but it does not surprise me. I mean, Super Metroid has both that nostalgia factor and it was just a great game at the time that it came out.
0: Huge, huge, huge game. Tons of exploration. Tons of discovery. Absolutely the high point for the series. Samus Aran won my heart in Super Metroid. Forget Justin Bailey. It was Super Metroid that did it for me. That was the news of the day, so to speak. What was that? News of the day? <laughs> oh, my goodness. We went through a list talking about all sorts of Super Nintendo games. Which brought us to that segue to the news. You ready for some news, Bert?
1: I'm ready. Hit me, Ryan.
0: Oh, this week. I don't even know where to start with the news. Since we're talking video games, I will pump this first story. Oh! (laughs) (laughs) That was my bad. I'm going to pump this first story because your wife might be interested in it. The Chrono Cross Remaster is set to come out. And there were a ton of announcements at Nintendo Direct. Related to Chrono Cross.
1: Chrono Cross or Chrono Trigger? Chrono Cross. So Chrono Cross was the square follow-up for the PlayStation 1 that had like 50 unlockable characters.
0: You got it. Now, I got to be honest with you. I put in a lot of time in Chrono Trigger. Without a doubt. You know, it was very very much up there on my list. When Chrono Cross came out, I was super excited. I think I played it for maybe five hours and have never looked back.
1: I put a ton of hours into Chrono Cross. Just finding those obscure characters cracked me up every time, but I was a big fan of those sort of obscure little like RPGs that had massive casts like Saga Frontier, or um, Suikoden, or uh, Star Ocean, the second story. So for me, Chrono Cross was right up my alley.
0: Well, we're going to have the remaster. And baked into the remaster is the... The Satellite View, Satellite View, I don't know. It didn't translate well from Japan, but you know what I'm talking about. It was a Japanese satellite download service that allowed gamers in Japan and exclusive to Japan to download games over satellite while they were sleeping. And there was the Radical Dreamers, which was a fully text-based Corona Trigger entry. Radical Dreamers up till now has only been played originally through that service and through legally gray emulation. Huh. But it's now going to be baked into the Chrono Cross reboot.
1: It's Do you actually think kind of the awesome. world
0: today can play a text-based RPG?
1: I don't know. I mean, were you Were you a text-based RPG guy, or am I dating myself as being older than you? You're only uh,
0: a handful of years older than me. I played some text-based RPGs. You know, the big ones, Zork and and the like. (laughs) Right. But I wouldn't call myself a text-based RPG guy. So I don't know that this is a big selling point for me, but This made the rounds in news. This was a big deal.
1: Well, I mean, it's kind of cool whenever you can get access to something that was exclusive or that nobody else had access to. But nobody's saying, was it any good? Just because you can get access to something that you've never seen before doesn't mean that it's great. So I'm going to reserve judgment until I see more about
0: it. Oh, people are super high on Radical Dreamers. I have heard everything about The writing being exceptional, the music, the world building, all being top-notch. Never played it. Not going to pretend that I have. But uh, they've tried to slip it into some other Chrono Trigger releases. And the director of Radical Dreamers has shot it down. I guess now we're dating ourselves for like 25 years. And it's finally going to be released. PS4 pre-orders should open soon for the Chrono Cross remaster release. So I can imagine that that's going to be on your list.
1: It's definitely going to be on my list to uh, investigate. I mean, the I don't know that I'll put a lot of time into the text-based part, but I could probably easily lose another couple hundred hours in Chrono Cross.
0: I think that I'll give it another shot now that I have, you know... Uh, Some age and wisdom and a different approach to gaming at the time. When Chrono Cross was originally released, not saying that I wasn't that incognito nerd, but I I did. I shelved it and never looked back. I still have the original disc somewhere. It's one of the few PS1 titles that I kept for whatever reason. But maybe it's because I always knew that I didn't do the title justice. The The remaster's going to have updated graphics, enhanced soundtrack, and the bonus game that was on the satellite system back in the day in Tokyo. You're a fan of Bethesda games? I am. Bethesda is returning to Steam. Bethesda announced this week that... Uh, They are dropping their own branded launcher and returning to Steam. Oh, wow. Yeah, the Bethesda launcher debuted 2016, and it was the home for all things Bethesda. It was functional, but it was always sort of just a scaled-back version of a gaming store. It was originally created because they didn't want to pay Valve the 30% cut. Well, now they've reached an arrangement, now that Valve is starting to negotiate on that cut, especially since every fucking company and their brother on in the PC world has their own launcher now. Drives me insane. I probably <laughs> have 10 launchers installed on my system. So
1: that's I- the problem with being a PC gamer is like you've got so many different uh, directions to go as far as that's concerned.
0: Right, And I just want to buy the game in whatever platform it is for the least amount of money. And I'll even pay a couple of bucks extra to throw it into Steam just because that's where the bulk of my games are. Right, I, I like things neat and tidy. Well, Bethesda finally realized the error of their ways. That it's harder to manage the back end. Steam already has that down to a science. They've got the capacity, they've got the bandwidth, they've got the distribution, so they're going to quit fighting this battle. The good news is, anything that you bought in the Bethesda launcher will be transitioned to Steam. The bad news is, the Bethesda launcher, while it's going away for game purchases and distribution, is not scheduled to go away for online play. Read Fallout 76.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So I'm going to launch Fallout 76 from Steam and then log into the Bethesda launcher to play it. Ridiculous, guys.
1: Ugh. Are you re- when, when you say that, though, are you being ironic? Do you really play Fallout 76?
0: You know, Fallout 76 was... I, I got it at launch, being a huge Fallout fan. And it was plagued at launch. With all sorts of bad stuff. It's a really good game now. It is a legitimate Fallout game now. In fact, there are some elements of Fallout 76 that I went back to play Fallout 4. I know you did that recently too, right?
1: Oh yes, I I went back to play Fallout 4 not long ago.
0: And I found myself missing... Some of the quality of life things that are in Fallout 76. I found myself missing some of the crafting elements that are in Fallout 76. I found myself missing some of the gameplay elements that are in Fallout 76. At this point in time, 76 is a legitimate sequel. So, I know it had a terrible reputation from launch. But as a Fallout fan, Bert, you, you you should play 76.
1: I might have to go back and re-examine it. I, after the uh, disaster at launch, I just kind of shelved the idea of buying it and never did.
0: It was miserable. You remember, I, I told you horror stories of oh, yeah. not being able to get into games and having, you know, bandwidth issues, not on my end, and server queues and the original approach wasn't what we think of as fallout well now it's there there's npcs now there's dialogue now you know all of the missteps have been corrected it's got a great community which i don't often say i always look at these online communities and say how fucking toxic is this place Fallout 76 has a legitimately good community. And it, it's still growing, and they're dropping content every month. It's great.
1: That's pretty rare, because no, most of the time it's the, uh, it's the, uh, I don't want to say it's the audience, but the um, whenever I try to play an online game, it's normally the other players that ruin it for me.
0: And truth be told, not being a big group MMO guy, I have played exactly zero hours in group. I can't say that. There are some events where they are group events, and I've I've done those. But I would say that 95% of my Fallout 76 experience is solo, and I still thoroughly enjoy it.
1: Maybe I'll give it another shot. Especially, it,
0: well, there there was that period in time where the reviews were absolutely terrible, and it was starting to turn the corner, and I was telling everybody, look, it's 10 bucks. get it, it's 10 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think you could probably still pick it up reasonably cheap. So you'll have to check out Fallout 76, and I can't think of a better place to check it out, but maybe from one of our sponsors. You should check out Fallout 76. I'll bet you it's available at Fanatical. Fanatical, you know them, you love them. They are a discount game supplier. We talked about some of the other game stores that are out there. Well, Fanatical takes the step of removing that 30% cut And they're able to get keys direct from the developers and pass those savings on to you. So before you buy anything, you should go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page and find the link to Fanatical. Hey, they're having a huge sale right now. We should look it up and see if you could pick up Fallout for cheap, Bert. But Fanatical is definitely one of my go-to places before I buy anything in the gaming world.
1: And why yeah. wouldn't it be? I mean, you have a chance to save yourself some money and support some, support a company that you like. Why wouldn't you go for You do,
0: that? and you know that those keys are purchased directly from that company, so the company's not hurting. You get to save some bucks. It's a win-win all the way around, and the keys that you get activate in the gaming store of your choice. You know, Do you want a Steam key? Sure, get it. Do you want an Epic key? Sure, get it. Do you want a Bethesda key? key, sure, get it while you still can, and then it'll convert into a Steam key. But no matter what, get it from going to nerdcognito.com, scrolling down the page, and clicking on that fanatical link. Save some bucks, get some games. Yeah, you gotta, we should check and see if Fallout 76 is in their big sale right now, because you would, I, I can safely say that you would enjoy it. I mean,
1: a recommendation from you goes a long way these days. You know my tastes. We've been friends for, you know, uh, way, well, more than a few years at this point. So, (laughs) I mean, I'm your we can say
0: more than a few
1: decades. (laughs) True, true. I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not your hetero life mate like Mike, but we know each other well enough to be able to make a good recommendation.
0: You are on the same level as Mike, just without the backstory of drinking and womanizing and and running around in my early 20s that's the only <laughs> difference that's the only difference you 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 found the boss you settled down you were happy I was not <laughs> you know
1: that right. sure I mean you know uh, we, the uh, we kind of diverged I had a I had a great marriage still do you had your first marriage was rough. You kind of went a different direction, so.
0: I did, and and I thank Michael for parts of that direction. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm scrapping that story for another time. It's another freaking list.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> actually, we'll, we'll just do it real quick. You a fan of Assassin's Creed?
1: I played a few of them.
0: Um, I actually agreed with this list. I know. Write this date down in history. Uh, it was the best Assassin's Creeds ever. Uh, their top three, in no particular order, were Black Flag, Origins, and Odyssey, and and I do have to uh, agree with that. So, um, nerd cognito news shorty. There you go. Assassin's Creed. If you're new to the series, play Black Flag as the number one.
1: Well, uh, as somebody who wasn't. Huge into the franchise, Black Flag is the only one that I've played out of those three, so what does that tell you?
0: Well, there there you go. And I put this in here for Mikey, who didn't show up tonight, because Mikey will just... He'll need a new set of pants if we talk about Assassin's Creed Black Flag. He loves it. Okay. But uh, there you go. There you have it, Assassin's Creed. I actually revisited Origins for the last week and a half, two weeks, and... Um, definitely a solid solid entry but is it black flag no because you're not a motherfucking pirate in origins
1: come on who doesn't want to be a pirate that's what makes the that would what makes black flag the best
0: that that does do it that does do it hey bert you're reheating your pizza wrong did you know that oh am i <laughs> apparently you are a chef named Tara from TikTok. Blah.
1: Let me guess. Reheat it in a cast iron skillet.
0: The best way and the only way to reheat a slice of pizza is to... All right. This is this is the whole process. Are you ready? I'm ready. You're going to take some water and you're going to put it in a little cup. Then you're going to take out like a sheet pan or a pizza pan. Okay. And you're going to put that right on the stovetop. Okay. Then, after everything's nice and hot, you're going to slowly pour the water on either side of the slices. Then, you're going to pop a lid on top to get the cheese nice and melty. And the little bit of water that you get permeates the crust, rehydrates the crust, gets the cheese melty. The bottom is still making contact with the pan. She apparently claims that this is the way to reheat pizza.
1: Exactly the way that you make a really good cheeseburger on a flat-top griddle.
0: Exactly the same way. But that's a whole fucking process, man.
1: Right. I mean, when I'm making a really good cheeseburger on a flat-top griddle, it's worth the work. When I'm eating leftover pizza, half the time I'm going to eat it cold.
0: Amen, brother. And you know what the easy solution to this is? Don't have leftover pizza. (laughs) <laughs> Just eat more pizza when it's hot and delicious. Just I, empty that box. Right. I suffered through the TikTok video. And I say suffered because, oh my God, she's one of them. Oh my. And no, I'm not going to do that. Not not at all. You're right. Cold in my mouth, in my belly, done. It's leftover pizza. I fucking hate TikTok. You know, people tell me that I need to start promoting Nerd Cognito on TikTok. Mm. Oh, you should see the spike in listeners that you're going to get on TikTok. Well, first of all, we're an audio podcast. I'm an old radio guy. I don't want to be on fucking TikTok.
1: Well, uh, Ryan, considering that uh, you know neither one of us is supermodel material, there's hey, a reason hey, speak where... for yourself. There's a reason that we're on audio, not video.
0: Well, we actually have some cross-promotion coming up, and I think I'm going to pimp you out to do a video segment with, I don't want to say a spiritual brother, but a spiritual brother podcast.
1: (laughs) Okay, you're going to pimp me out.
0: I'm going to pimp you out. Uh, They focus very much in the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
1: Oh, okay. I'm familiar with that universe, and I'm, uh...
0: you know my love of Marvel
1: <sighs> Yes, yes,
0: so we'll talk about it off the air, but no there's 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 going to be time for our faces to be I mean people see what we look like it's it's on the website, sort of <laughs> The caricatures are not that far from reality. But yeah, no, what do you think about promoting on TikTok?
1: I don't know. I mean, it's a... I'm not 12, right? Right. I mean, is it insanely popular? Yes. TikTok videos are everywhere. You can get, you know, you can draw a lot of attention, but it seems like most of the people that are drawing that attention aren't kind of our core demographic. It seems like it's skewed towards a younger audience. Does that make sense?
0: It, it does. And I don't see people that would migrate from something that they saw on TikTok sticking around. I see me rubbing some TikTok users the wrong way.
1: I, I can see that too. I mean, I have nothing against younger nerds. I encourage everybody to pursue... Whatever insane, nerdy hobby they like. But, uh, you know, when we're talking about things that happened 25 years ago, like we were today, are, are people going to be interested in that who weren't even a gleam in their parents' eye at that point?
0: <laughs> now, you make us sound like old heads. We're pretty fucking current, I, I, I do have to say. But we do like our throwbacks to days gone by.
1: True. True. I mean, we've been nerds a long time, so modern nerds, retro nerds, we kind of encompass that, and we kind of embrace that role.
0: We do. We do. I do know that the younger the nerd, the less palatable I tend to be for them, and I don't know why. I'm waiting for a generation that's not all to come by and, you know, say, R.D., you're the guy for me. (laughs) we talked about streaming a couple of weeks ago one of if not the best free streaming service that is available is pluto tv pluto tv pluto tv is adding seven channels in march to their pretty extensive lineup
1: you know that's where iron you, chef channel right that
0: is where iron chef is i watched uh michiba son slaughter some eels right before we went on the air
1: oh who doesn't love the michiba episodes
0: new channels coming to pluto tv in march include the heartland channel which is an over-the-air sub channel okay. vivo retro rock from the 80s to today it's guitar-driven videos that keep the volume turned up to 11. Oh, that's terrible copy, guys.
1: Wow, there are copies in the 80s, too.
0: <laughs> black classics. We laugh till we cry as our iconic black entertainers took to the sitcom world. I don't know, what is, Steve Harvey, Martin, In Living Color.
1: I, I mean, know. it depends on how far back they go. Are we talking like J.J. Walker and Good Times? Or I know like- my...
0: although I saw a commercial with Jimmy J.J. Walker and they say black don't crack but J.J. done cracked
1: oh my god
0: does he look bad
1: he does insurance commercials now
0: yeah and he does not look good I mean J.J. must really need the paycheck because I would not be tarnishing my legacy at that point I was always a huge Jimmy Walker fan oh sure I, JJ, I mean, it's fucking JJ. It it pains me. This is right in the wheelhouse with, with Harrison Ford and Ridley Scott and Phil Collins and now Jimmy J.J. Walker. Come on, guys. Um, <laughs> next channel, classic TV families. The funniest families in TV sitcom history. I I see that this spans everything from All in the Family to The Brady Bunch.
1: Okay. Okay. Not belly laughers there. I for all in the family or the Brady Bunch, neither one like encouraged me to roll on the floor laughing.
0: No, 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 but it's it, it definitely qualifies as classic TVs and and they are families. True. G4 Select. Eh, I guess this is a curated channel of G4 content. Uh, I will forever hate g4 i will not watch g4 i think g4 needs to die in a fiery automobile accident Mm. because g4 killed my beloved tech tv you remember tech tv
1: i remember tech tv
0: fuck you g4 and waypoint tv is a destination for outdoor entertainment hunting fishing and outdoorsy stuff all Nothing three of our listeners that enjoy those th- things, and Bert, you're included in one of, as one of those three, <laughs> we'll, we'll be excited.
1: Yeah, I'm a big camping guy. I mean, I haven't been hunting in years, but I go fishing all the time, and I love going camping.
0: You know what? We should have a rifle cleaning party, you and I. Okay. Let's get doe tags this year, especially since food is going to be questionably readily available you want to you want to go do it my backyard over the hill shoot some deer
1: why not i mean sounds like a good time to me i mean it's a good excuse to i mean deer hunting is a great excuse to hang out with your friends you know fire guns which is always fun and then drink beer afterwards and talk about the ones that you saw but didn't hit
0: plus if there really is going to be a meat crisis without getting political <laughs> A um, hundred pounds of venison doesn't sound like a bad thing to me.
1: No, absolutely. There's a lot of things you can do with it. You know, jerky comes to mind, or I've got a recipe for a red wine venison roast.
0: You can just grind everything except for the chops. That's, that's, that's sort of my plan. Then I can make my own jerky.
1: And sausage, too. Deer sausage winds <laughs> up being really good if you're going to grind. Deer bologna? Why not?
0: There was a processor... You know, my father was a big hunter. I have not Mm -hmm. shot a deer since I was 13 years old. This is going to (laughs) be Ryan leaning heavily on Bert for experience. But there was a processor that made some awesome deer bologna that I remember as a child. Now, again, I was a child. How awesome was
1: it? (laughs) (laughs) You're remembering it with children's taste buds, so keep that in mind. I mean, at the time we grew up, we thought the... uh, the chemically injected hot dogs were amazing, too. So you know.
0: Hey, 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 I'll still eat a chemically injected hot dog. Put some sauerkraut cheddar cheese sauce on that shit. Yeah. Chili and onions. Oh, hot dogs.
1: Oh, chili and onions. Now you got me wanting a hot dog, man. That's my, that's my go-to way.
0: Yeah. Uh, I will have to take you to the hot dog shop that is a county over in the county that I grew up in. It's um just amazing counter service, no frills, chili and onion wieners.
1: I saw a place online that I've been thinking that I should take you to that has footlong chili onion dogs. Is this close? Uh it's not far. we
0: well, we'll have to we'll have to check it out. And the last channel is more TV sitcoms.
1: Wow, they're really they're, doubling down on the sitcoms, aren't they?
0: They are, and I've never been a super sitcom guy. has to be a pretty special sitcom for me to enjoy it. I think the last sitcom that I really enjoyed didn't even air in this goddamn country. It was uh, Sunday Night Dinner. but Sunday
1: uh, Night Dinner, why do I know that name?
0: Uh, I want to say it was Channel 4 in the UK. It might have been BBC, but I'm pretty sure it was Channel 4.
1: Okay, BBC sitcoms actually tend to be kind of funny. Like, I remember watching things like uh, The IT Crowd.
0: I couldn't get was into it? The IT Crowd.
1: Oh, no? No, I no, and you would
0: think that I would dig it, right? Right. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't for me. No, but Sunday Night Dinner, <laughs> loved it. Loved it. Beth loved it, too. We went through the whole thing, and um, we're very very distraught to real to and we were very distraught when we realized that the series ended because one of the principal actors died and they just chose to end the show rightly so though rightly so they couldn't have done it without him
1: right i mean you can't you can't recast one of your main actors that never goes well unless you're doctor who
0: right if it's a family sitcom dad's dead not gonna work no no But those are uh, seven more channels coming to the big old Pluto TV lineup.
1: I might have to look into that. You said it's... I mean, it's free. There's no reason I shouldn't, and I can see myself wasting hours watching Iron Chef.
0: Totally free. It is ad-supported, and it's streaming ad-supported, which means it's the same fucking ads over and over and over again. They do have some on-demand as well. But... The Price is Right, and you get shit like the Price is Right channel, which is airing nothing but Bob Barker, Price is Right, from 1986. All day, every day.
1: Spay and neuter your pets, people.
0: This is Bob Barker reminding you to help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed or neutered. So long.
1: Exactly, exactly. yep.
0: Well, last but not least in the news this week is something that I've always been high on, which is home automation. Google Nest is releasing a new all-in-one smart hub that ties together all of your devices, and it's built into a ceiling fan.
1: Huh. A ceiling fan. That seems like a very specific thing to build it into.
0: It is, but if you think about it, it's centered in the room, It's suspended in the ceiling. It has power already there. Adding more finesse to the modern home, the Nest ceiling fan is scheduled to be added to Google's collective of smart home devices. And it helps you eliminate device clutter with a really chic-looking ceiling fan.
1: Plus, I mean, I guess on the ceiling, you're not going to have to worry about Kids messing with it, people bumping it, people, mess, you know, people damaging it or hitting it with something or.
0: Yep. Yep. The compact and stylish two fin fan features an omnidirectional speaker, smart light bulb, sensors for your nest thermostat and a smoke detector all built into one. That's awesome. That is awesome.
1: That's pretty good. I own
0: all of those pieces, and they are all separate pieces. I have smart speakers. I have smart lights. I've got the Nest thermostat. I've got the Nest thermostat sensors for other areas, and I've got the Nest fire smoke smoke detector carbon monoxide thing.
1: I want to, you know, I'm I'm I don't have a very much home automation. But I don't begrudge people who do. I think that it's a great thing. I'm just kind of waiting for the point where I can go, hey, Google, make me a sandwich.
0: <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Not in our lifetime, but...
1: No, no, you, you'll you have like a uh, butler bought 5,000 rolls out of the kitchen with your sandwich, you know.
0: Oh, I, I would love it. And, you know, I I spend way too much money on home automation just because... It's fun. It's almost become a hobby for me.
1: Right. but Although I noticed that you don't have one of those smart fridges that tells you when you're out of milk and things.
0: I don't because that's fucking retarded. There is a line. I, I, like, <laughs> I, I like cutting edge stuff. But there is a line. I don't need to know that I need to buy eggs. You know how I know that I need to buy eggs? When I'm cooking some fucking eggs and I realize I only have a handful left, I need to buy some eggs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You don't need Big Brother to tell you you need eggs?
0: Don't need the eggs. Uh, Sadly, there is no price point yet on the Nest ceiling fan. Hmm. But they will come in the range of nest lovely pastels, including coral and that soft blue charcoal and the Google White. Chalk, they like to call it. Will I put these in? Probably not now, because everything else is already there. But when I bought this house, first thing I did was install ceiling fans in every bedroom. I guess depending on if it is a reasonable price point if it doesn't go into that super premium category of price
1: mm. and, and ease of installation i think is going to be a factor too you know what i mean because how hard can the it be ceiling, a
0: ceiling fan's pretty easy
1: most of the time i've replaced a few but working on the ceiling you know is never is never fun so make it easy on us people right
0: no i i agree but we'll we'll see Nest ceiling fan oh, i I would uh I would do that if I didn't already do it, but that's the news this week, Bert.
1: That seems like two weeks in a row we actually got some interesting news stories,
0: yeah, I wasn't sure how they would go over, but this week, I'm psyched. Get to revisit a game that I intentionally shelved in the past. Get to talk about ceiling fans and everything about, in between.
1: Pluto yeah, TV. Talk about Pluto TV. Some new stuff, some old stuff. Like, it, it was a good mixed bag.
0: There is a mixed dice bag online right now. And that is popular opinion related to questioning DM calls at the gaming table, Bert. We gave a little preview of this when you. Uh,
1: true unloaded
0: three years of pent-up frustrations
1: no i mean we've we've had uh, everybody's had conflict with their dm you know they didn't like they didn't like a rule they didn't like a judgment call like everybody's been there so when you say you know you know when you say conflict you know how far does it go
0: that was the question that i posed and i kicked a hornet's nest in the groups online with this one. Now, you obviously know. You've known me for a long time. You've played at my table. What is my response going to be?
1: If, as for uh, as let's for say I, let's
0: say I make a call.
1: Okay. Oh yeah, I mean I've never i in all the times we played together I've never seen you reverse a call once you made it.
0: And it's pretty consistent, I think. And if I do do something different, I don't think it's intentional. I think it might be age getting the better of me and me forgetting. But I I try to be consistent and I try to be fair and I try to be reasonable. But I'm also not going to have a discussion for 10, 15, 20 minutes at the table if you don't agree with something. Once I've made that decision... That's it. Let's move on. Let's keep playing. And if you want to talk about it afterwards, maybe we'll talk about it afterwards. But I am a huge, huge, huge believer in the sovereignty of the DM. For good or for bad. Have I made bad calls as a DM before? Absolutely.
1: Everybody has.
0: Have I made good calls as a DM before? Yes. But they're my calls, my table, my game. And that sounds a little selfish, but if you don't have that, I just see games falling apart. There has to be a final line that's drawn. Now, a lot of folks online are saying, it's a community game and we need to have a discussion and this needs to be talked about at Session Zero. We should talk about Session Zero next week because... I don't think session 0 should even exist. Session 0 is for but I, you know, that's another conversation to have.
1: Now, uh, and it depends on what you mean by session 0. I've played in a lot of places where they had a session 0, but it was for things like character creation. And that, that's like, not you know, session th- 0. No.
0: No. Session 0 is we talk about our feelings and our comfort levels and topics that are Inbounds and out of bounds. We talk about how our rules are going to be applied. We talk about what extent the DM will homebrew. We talk about what extent the DM will vary from rules as written. Session zero is just a big old fest. I'm sorry, it, it is, and it's something that uh, fuck. I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a name for it until about three or four years ago. <laughs> I think that if you are playing a game that is story-driven and you're going to castrate the storyteller or question the storyteller, you should not be playing this game.
1: Now, I have I have seen caveats. There's a, there's a difference between warning people that, you know, okay, you know, we've played like, for example, I, I had a group that I played D&D with, and one of uh, one of the uh, players wanted to play from a different system, and he warned people, you know, this is going to be a much darker story than you're used to, this is going to be a much more, uh, you know, there, there's going to be a lot more, um, you know, a- adult themes, or like, uh, you know, risk of, you know, characters going insane, characters dying, like, th- this is a definitely a a much darker story than we're used to so i like it that way if you if you don't want to play it you know kind of in advance that you're getting into something that's darker than what you're doing but i mean there's a difference between you know kind of hamstringing the dm and also and them warning you up front that you know if we're going to play in a noir game you want to warn people about that because they're if they're expecting a high fantasy setting that gritty noir setting isn't going to give them the same fun they're looking at you know what i mean
0: i do but i think that that's that's kind of implied uh you know you know if you're playing cyberpunk that you're playing cyberpunk right you know that if you're playing a fantasy game and your dm says hey uh, while we're creating the characters I also need you to calculate your character's sanity by doing this, this, and this calculation. You sort of have a heads up that that's coming. (laughs) If you're going to pitch a fit at the table and bring a game to a halt because your sensibilities or comfort are are, I don't know somehow jeopardized by grown-ass adults sitting around the table drinking soda and having a good time, then There's a problem. And again, if you choose a group, you're choosing that dungeon master. You're choosing to play by their rules.
1: I mean, depending on, and you're right. I mean, if you're joining a group, then you're, you know, for good or ill, you're kind of taking that group with a grain of salt. The question is, you know, if you've never played with a group before, then you kind of take your chances. You know what I mean?
0: You do take your chances, but if the DM says your counterspell fails, or you can't counterspell that, and your response is "why," and they say "because it doesn't work," let's move forward. Once they say "let's move forward," and I'm not, I'm not picking because you did move forward. So right? Exactly there is a large segment of the hobby that is saying, no, let's not move forward. This needs to be a community discussion.
1: Well, I mean, ultimately, you know, the, the game master game, mother (laughs) dungeon master, whatever you call them, you know, you're, you're the person who keeps the universe moving. Like you're facilitating a story that these characters are embroiled in. So if they're, I mean, if if everybody is miserable at the table, does it, does this discussion need to happen? Yeah, I can see that. I've been in groups where they actually voted out the DM because he was making everybody miserable. But on the other hand, you know, if you're playing in somebody else's sandbox, you have to expect to get some grit in your eye.
0: Right. Right. It's it's my playpen, my rules, and I I guess that. Uh, maybe it's an age thing where that comes and we sort of have that understanding. Maybe it's an in-person thing because I am getting the feeling that a lot of these incidents are happening online. Okay. We all know that testicles tend to drop three extra inches when you're behind a keyboard.
1: (laughs) Depends on who you are, but. I, I, a lot of people are braver behind a screen than they are in person.
0: I just, I don't get it. I, I, I was hoping that you could, you know, help me get it. But um, we I mean, share a play philosophy. If I'm in a group and I'm a player and in my brain something amazing that my character is going to do gets disallowed, it gets disallowed. And that's the end of the story. i got to find a new, creative, different way to do it. I attribute this back to too many people trying to win at d d Because at the heart of it, it's a role-playing game. If you want to play a number-crunching combat simulator, they're available. Have at it. Oh, well. I don't have the time or the patience anymore. And I don't think any good DM should be bothered with it. Now, does that mean that I won't hear your argument? No. It just means that at at the point in the game, we don't need to jeopardize four to six other people's good time for you to win.
1: I mean, there's a difference between interrupting a game session and ruining everybody's fun and saying, Hey, you know, I want to talk to you about this, you know, offline or after session or something like that. I you know, I I wanna I wanna talk to you about this because there are a few things, you know, that I don't understand or that, you know, that I feel like we need to go over. Like it's one thing to say, hey, I need to talk to you. I mean, there should be an open dialogue between players and DMs.
0: Right. But and there's also the barrier of what the GM can disclose too, and I'll, I'll go back to our counterspell example because I think that that campaign is not going to be revisited at this point.
1: Well, if it is, I'm certainly creating a new character
0: <laughs> there there was a um, pretty integral piece to the big bad evil guys' whole lore. As to why some creatures, some monsters, some areas even had these spell-like effects. As a DM, I'm not going to just volunteer that information. Because I'd rather have you pissed at me for five minutes. I mean, in an ideal world, I guess people are being pissed for longer than that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Than to... Give away my entire story and throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sometimes the DM's not at liberty to discuss why it sure. doesn't work.
1: Right, right. I understand that. Uh, you know, now, you know, you can say, you know, you can say it doesn't work. You can say it doesn't work and you're going to expect to run into this again. You can say, you know, but you don't have to explain why it doesn't work. You know, something that, in that, uh, like I said, if it's going to be something that's consistent, though, Like in this case, you said you had lore behind the scenes that we weren't privy to. That's great. I love a deep storyline. I'm the first guy to get interested in that. What are all the little nuances and secrets and, like, what are we going to find out? You know, But you know what I'm saying.
0: I, I do. I do. And, you know, it's just, I guess, one of those things that really comes down to one of our central points that we always talk about. Vet your group. And players, vet your group, and dungeon masters, vet your group. Because when it comes down to it, we want to have fun.
1: Absolutely we do.
0: And I think we should. You want to be rolling the dice, and hopefully hitting those 20s every time those dice roll.
1: Yeah, you want to be laughing, having snacks, drinking sodas, playing games, not arguing over rules for two hours.
0: Right! It's all down to the good time. And things that can enhance your good time are a great set of dice. You know what I'm talking about, Bert.
1: I definitely do. Every time I create a new character, I have to buy a new set of dice. You know, it's a good set of dice really will make a game for you.
0: And there's not a better place to buy a great set of dice than the Easy Roller Dice Company. Go to nerdcognito.com, scroll down the page, and click on the link to the Easy Roller Dice Company, and You're going to be blown away. Forget the stuff. Bert, I don't mean to sound like a snob, but I there's a segment of people that are singing the praises of buying dice at the dollar store. Oh, no. Oh, China Junk. Hello. This is not China Junk. These are premium and super premium dice that are available through Easy Roller for any budget. You can get a great set of dice for... As little as five bucks, they still have that mystery dice thing that you were telling me about. I I, I, I love that idea. Five bucks. Yeah,
1: every oh. time I go out there and I think about ordering a set of dice, I just want to tag on. And, for, for an extra five bucks, tag a mystery set on, you know?
0: Right, that's a burger. <laughs> Get a mystery set, see what comes in. And like I said, dice for all budgets and all players. If you want super premium, if you want metal, if you want the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful cat's eye dice, they are available. And whether you're spending ten bucks or a hundred bucks, you know you're gonna get a quality, balanced, and beautiful set of dice that will be the envy of the table. Again, nerdcognito.com, find the link to the Easy Roller Dice Company and pick up a set for yourself.
1: Or for your friends.
0: Or for everybody, you can feel free to send me one. Email me at podcast at gmail.com and feel free to send me those cat's eye dice. You know, If you trip over a bag of money and you feel like throwing a nice set of dice my way, I'm certainly not going to hold my nose at that. So Bert, tell me yes, about ma'am. this Ask Bert segment that we're going to have coming up next week.
1: Okay well, I mean, we've been playing board games and tabletop role-playing games and things together for years and years and years. How many games would you say let's just say board games. how many board games would you say you've played in your lifetime?
0: Oh dozens hundreds
1: maybe a thousand
0: uh, it, it, it's in it's greater than a thousand, probably less than two thousand.
1: okay. I'm in the same boat. You know, we get together every two weeks and play board games on a regular schedule, and we've been doing it for years. So people know this about me. I'm not a closeted nerd. Everybody knows that I'm a card-carrying nerd. So I get asked questions all the time by people who are interested in the hobby, interested in what's new, and they'll literally throw a scenario at me. Okay, I've got, you know, it's myself, and then I've got, like, four kids that are like 12 and uh, and my wife. What board game would you recommend for that group of people and why? And so they'll actually ask me, like, they'll throw scenarios at me. So I thought it would be a good idea to throw a few of them at you. I have a, probably three or four that I've been asked in the last month or six weeks or so. Thought I would throw them out there and see what sort of recommendations – you would make because you played more games than me, or and if Mike ever shows up, get his feedback
0: as well. <laughs> I was going to say if Mike comes in next week too, then it's just another avenue of of opinions. That sounds really good, and then you can go back to the folks that are asking you and 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 report. Plus. If folks that are out there in podcast land want to ask, they can always call in at the NerdCognito hotline, 323-694-4242, and feel free to ask Bert suggestions for board games, tabletop games, and anything you want <laughs> anything guys <laughs> come on make it good 323-694-4242 you can also email us podcast at gmail.com but ask bert what should i and then you fill in the blank from there i think it'll be interesting and you're right i think that it would be really neat to get the perspective from all three of us, if the three of us ever actually show up.
1: (laughs) Right, because, first of all, you're a gamer who has kids. You know? I I, 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 do. But but you don't normally play board games with your son.
0: Never. No, 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 no. Hard and fast rule.
1: No children at
0: my gaming table.
1: Right. I'm a gamer that has no children, but I play board games with tons of kids. And Mike is sort of the opposite of both of us. He has no children, and I don't think I've ever heard him mention being around a child, ever.
0: (laughs) Mike is enough of a child on his own. (laughs) But, you know,
1: but now you've opened it up to anything, so next week we'll have a question. I'm planning to kill my DM. What kind of shovel should I bury him with, Bert?
0: Well, Bert can answer that, because Bert had those thoughts on his own, too. (laughs) Lots of of stuff to look forward to next week. But you will have to wait until next week because that is all of the NerdCognito that we have for you tonight. So, we hope you had a good time listening. Be sure to go to the podcast service of your choice. We are on all of them. And subscribe to NerdCognito. Also, be sure to get that word out. Share, 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 and tell people about the nerdy goodness that you just enjoyed. Because... It'll be another week until we talk at you, but we'll have lots of good stuff. So take care, everybody.
1: Be safe, everyone. See you next week.